Are you ready? A shot of wrestling. Episode 143. And wait. We go. Step up to the break. We got MJP and Green Man. It's the brain and champion. Your chip team. From my land to Japan and everywhere in between. Get the up to date news on the wrestling scene. So take a shot. Well, is that the message you got? We are about to go live. Are you ready to rock? So take a shot. Well, is that the message you got? From the fans to the fans. Let me hit the crowd. Pop, so take a shot. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 143 of A Shot of Wrestling. I am your host at Michael J. Putty. Thank you for coming back. If this is your first time, welcome. We have a great, great show for you this week. And I have to say, it's brought to you by To Be The Man Comics. Evil and good. Now, if you remember chapter one, that ended with that huge cliffhanger. Well, now we find out what happened in chapter two. The boys are going to need more than five moves of doom to get out of this one. With the gargoyle and fabulous Frank surrounded by a horde of zombie rednecks, the boozy bruisers will have to break out their movesets to get out of the graveyard and back on the road. But before they can hit their finishers and count to one, two, three, Grimes and Hazard have a bigger opponent to contend with. There's evil afoot, and it wants championship gold. To Be The Man Comics, chapter two, now available on Amazon.com. Now, folks, how should we start this action-packed episode? How about the same way we start every episode? This week's Wrestling Replay. We're getting ready for a Survivor Series this weekend. So let's look back at a past Survivor Series. Survivor Series, November 18th, 2001, from Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina, in front of a crowd of 10,142. Christian, representing the Alliance, defeated Al Snow, representing the WWF, to retain the European Championship in 6 minutes, 30 seconds. William Regal, representing the Alliance, defeated Tajiri, representing WWF in 2 minutes, 56 seconds. Edge, representing the WWF, defeated Test, representing the Alliance, in a unification match for the WCW United States Championship and WWF Intercontinental Championship in 11 minutes, 17 seconds. The Dudley Boys from the Alliance defeated the Hardy Boys from WWF in a steel cage unification match for the WCW and WWF Tag Team Championships in 15 minutes, 29 seconds. Test, representing the Alliance, won by last eliminating Billy Gunn from the WWF in, in, in the Immunity Battle Royal in 7 minutes, 37 seconds. Trish Stratus from the WWF defeated Ivory from the Alliance, Jazz from the Alliance, Jackie from WWF, Leader from WWF, and Marty Molly from the Alliance in a six-pack challenge for the vacated WWF Women's Championship in 4 minutes, 21 seconds. And in your main event, Team WWF, Chris Jericho, Big Show, The Rock, and The Undertaker defeated the Alliance. Booker T, Kurt Angle, Rob Van Dam, Shane McMahon, and Stone Cold Steve Austin in a traditional five-on-five Survivor Series elimination match in 44 minutes, 57 seconds. Great pay-per-view. Great pay-per-view. I was Team WF all the way, as y'all know. Loyal listeners know. And you know, this was a night for all my years of being teased for being a WWF mark, not watching WCW, came to fruition. As you know, loyalty works sometimes. My loyalty paid off as I was able to Pop my shoulders back, puff out my chest, and stand proudly as my team, the WWF, stood the victor in the final battle of, you know, I guess the Monday Night Wars, I guess. I guess the invasion, as they called it. Fun pay-per-view. If you not checked it out, go check it out. Survivor Series 2001. Kind of the precursor to the uh, Team Raw versus Team SmackDown ideology and format of Survivor Series we have today. But as for me, talking about last week, I was off this week. I didn't really do anything. And that's kind of hard 
for people to understand, especially a lot of my friends. When people tell me, what am I doing? I say nothing. To them, that means a lack or a void of something to do. But to me, doing nothing is doing something. Like I planned on doing nothing. I planned on sleeping in, rolling out of my bed whenever I wanted to, just to lay on the couch for hours watching TV. So some might think of it as being boring or a wasteful. To me, I was very productive. I caught up on a lot of TV shows, Superstore, Manifest, The New Lost, I am so hyped about. Caught up on a couple of random shows I had DVR'd. Still don't feel like I made a dent, though. I'm thinking about like 72% full of my DVR. I still have the Andre the Giant HBO documentary to watch. I still have the ESPN 30 for 30 on Ric Flair to watch. So I have a lot of shit left on my DVR. I need another week off. But what prevented me from further catching up on my DVR was an impulse. This week, I went out and bought Red Dead Redemption 2. I wanted to wait till later in the week so I can catch up more on my DVR, but impulse was impulse. I got stuck on W2K19. I want a triple threat match in my career mode I can't get past. I want a match against John Cena, which I do not want to do again because it was kind of hard. I lost in the end in the uh, showcase, Daniel Bryan showcase. So I went and bought Red Dead Redemption 2. Great game. I loved the first one. So excited to see the second one come out. And it lived up to the hype so far. I mean, it's kind of annoying traveling from long distances on horse. But I was wondering where it, where it lied in the canon that was Red Dead Redemption 1. Turns out it was a prequel because the antagonist in the first one is a younger man. So it's fun to see how he now evolves into the character that was the character in the first game. Uh, anyway, one of the shows I watched this week that I did not need to catch up on was Survivor. And unfortunately, I watched Survivor Friday afternoon. And I was off this week. I didn't check out the news feeds. I didn't check out anything. I was completely void of the outside world. Didn't know anything. Didn't read anything. Didn't give a fuck about anything but my TV and my horse in Red Dead Redemption 2. So Friday afternoon, I'm checking out the news sites to get some news for the show this week. And all of a sudden, I was doing such a great job. But someone fucking spoiled the ending to Survivor this week for me. So fucking pissed. Oh, man. I mean, why spoil Survivor? That's not a wrestling show. Yeah, a wrestler's on it. There's no, there's, no, there's no need to spoil it for me. Don't put in the main page that John got eliminated. Yeah, Johnny Impact, Johnny Mundo, John Morrison, Johnny Nitro got eliminated. And I was flabbergasted. John was doing great. He was flying under the radar. Everybody loved him. He was a team player. He was a standout in the competitions. When they broke the David versus Goliath tribes up into three, randomly, his tribe was running on all cylinders, winning every competition. Johnny Nitro, Johnny Morrison, Johnny Mundo was not a threat, but somebody was. The week prior, a woman was presented as being a problem. So there's two people on the main radar from the original David vs. Goliath tribes. There's two tribes. They merged all now into one. So there's, there's tribe loyalty now. But the tribe Davids have less numbers than the tribe Goliaths. Anyway, like I said, it's all complicated. But the woman who had a problem last week was on the chopping block. The other side... Decided to vote out, to decide with the numbers, decided to vote out this one main threat from the other tribe. Well, both tribes found out about this. One tribe used a hidden immunity idol. Once that was played, the other tribe played another hidden immunity idol. And the two men who orchestrated this whole thing voted out John. So he had Christian get the most votes to get voted off, but he had the hidden immunity idol. He was saved. The Angelina had the second most votes. But she was saved due to the hidden immunity idol. Poor John got like two votes. And out of nowhere, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Morrison, Johnny Mundo was, was voted off for no fucking reason. The guys who voted against him were friends with his. 
he was like, oh, it was just, when I read the headline, I was flabbergasted. And watching the episode, I was like, how was he going to get eliminated? And uh, there was no inclination he was going to get eliminated until all of a sudden, the last three votes came out and it was fucking John. Bullshit, man. John was doing fancy. Sitting in the corner of the studio, I'm going on a rant. I'm going to save my rant. <sighs> Ashanti. All right. Last week covered BCW's A Cold Day in Hell, which had some big moments, including my managerial debut, the nuptials of Sean and Jen, and of course, in the main event, Darius Carter winning the World Heavyweight Championship from Azrael, but not only winning, embarrassing Pete Rosado, ending with the foreclosure, which as many of you might know as a code breaker. So now, please get Pete Rosado on the phone. We got to talk to Pete. We got to find out how he's feeling, how he's doing, the current state of BCW. And what my assistant is dialing him up. By the way, folks, you know, on our social media, we reported it already, but your boy at Michael J. Party and the Green Man are making their commentary debut for new Evolution Wrestling on their debut show, Inception, from the world's famous Elks Lodge on Saturday, November 17th. So the show will air afterwards. But Green Man is an expert. Green Man's been doing commentary for BCW for a couple months now, but this is my first time. Very nervous. Don't know what to do. So I'll probably get asked Pete for some advice. As the voice of BCW, whatever advice he can impart on me, I will definitely take the heart. But I'm getting the signal. Pete is on the phone. So, Pete, are you there? Putty, I am here and happy to be here. Welcome to the show. Always a pleasure having you here. I wish I was on the show more often, but I know I know Green Man with his newfound celebrity fame is kind of coming back for that spot. You said it, not me. Thank you. <laughs> now, my social media feeds have been flooded with pictures, videos, people talking about the events of last week. So I want to get your thoughts on what happened last week. Did you get Red Dead Redemption 2 yet? Uh, I have not. I actually, uh, which is sad, I, I own, I don't want to say I don't own any gaming systems, but I don't own any modern gaming systems anymore. I just never really have the time to play anymore, though Red Dead Redemption 2 would have been one of those games that I definitely would have, I would have had pre-ordered and ready to go the day it came out. Uh, I loved Red Dead Redemption was one of my favorite games on on the on the Xbox uh, to play. A lot of people don't know that it's actually all started with Red Dead Revolver. Yeah, I learned that. I was surprised because I played that game, but I didn't make the correlation between the the franchises. Yeah, but everyone thought that it started with Red Dead Redemption. Red Dead Redemption was an incredible game, Um, but I don't know any modern gaming systems. I uh, I have the Super Nintendo Classic and the Nintendo Classic. Oh, that's all you need, really. Yeah, I uh, so I. I, I kind of stick to, uh, you know, the Donkey Kong countries and Super Mario 3 and some of the good old stuff. Though, I will say this much. The day that Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out, I will spend whatever money I have to for a gaming system really? just so I can play that game. Oh, shit. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. The other big story flooding my news feeds was BCW's a cold day in hell. Especially the main event, pictures and videos galore of you bending the knee to the new champion, Darius Carter. How was that? We talked about it briefly post-game. Some audio difficulties, not all of it came through, but what are you feeling right now? How's your nose? How's your face? How's your morale? Um, How's your manhood? What's going on? How are you feeling? Big blow to all of that, you know, putty. Um, so I went to uh, I went to a doctor on uh, on Tuesday, got an x-rays and MRI on, on my face and my nose. And thankfully, while there isn't any permanent damage, there was small, slight fractures, uh, mostly hairline to the bones in my face and in my nose and uh I thankfully don't have to wear one full time, um, but I do like right now I'm currently in a facial mask to keep the nose and and the bones in my nose from moving too much. 
um, and allow them to kind of reheal on their own. So I am kind of wearing that clear uh, basketball Cody Rhodes esque yeah. mask. Okay. You know, uh, mostly once I get home. Um, and during the evening, I have to wear it when I go to sleep to make sure that especially is uh, during the evening, like I'm not tossing and turning and, you know, moving my nose at angles that would normally be okay. Uh, but when you have slight hairline fractures in your nose, uh, can do more damage. Not exactly my brightest shining moment, putty, but also didn't expect, uh, for Darius Carter to take things that far. Um, Darius Carter is the new, as hard as it is for me to say, is the new BCW World Heavyweight Champion, regardless of the missed call by senior referee Chris Shady Torres. Oh, man. AJ Um, Pan was on the post game. He was all over that. You know, uh, and video footage did reveal that, in fact, on the deciding pinfall, Asriel's foot was under the bottom rope, uh, which should have resulted in a, a stoppage of the pin, and the three count should not have been administered, but um, the referee's call is final. Uh, BCW management is not going to be the ones to overturn the call. We have faith and and, and belief in our referees, um, especially senior referee Shady Torres. Uh, and due to that, you know, Darius Carter can walk around and call himself the BCW World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, but what he did after winning the World Heavyweight Championship only goes to show and accentuate everything that I've been saying about Darius Carter. It's not his ability in the ring. The man is a seminal talent inside a professional wrestling ring. I'll say it again so it doesn't get lost in tape, Michael J. Putty. Darius Carter is a seminal talent inside a professional wrestling ring. Absolutely. This this man is one of the greatest talents we have here in the Northeast, and it's one of the greatest talents on the independent professional wrestling circuit. There is no doubt about that based on what he can do inside a wrestling ring. And you saw that at a cold day in hell, the way he took Asriel to the limit. Absolutely. I will never speak ill of what Darius Carter can do talent-wise, what he can do in a wrestling ring. But it is the things that he does outside of the realm of a wrestling match, outside of the realm of having to face an opponent, things that he does to defenseless wrestlers, things that he, the way he carries himself, his attitude, the things that he did to me at the end of that show, those are the things that I have spoken ill about when it comes to Darius Carter. And it's those kinds of things that have always given BCW management great pause when it came to the idea of Darius Carter potentially being the BCW heavyweight champion. Quick recap for those of you who don't know what happened, or first time listening, first time being introduced to the world of BCW, Darius Carter beat your longest reigning BCW champion, Asriel, in a controversial ending. Darius Carter has some kind of beef with your BCW management. He called you into the ring, made you put the belt around his waist manually, which you did, you obliged. And then he made you bend the knee and kiss his feet, which you did. Then you popped up, shook your hand, said, we can work together now, then hit you with his finish at the foreclosure uncalled for wrestlers are trained wrestlers know what to do you're not a trained wrestler you don't know what to do i mean i think a little, little too far in my book my book i mean kissing your foot was a little too much but that foreclosure was really uncalled for you know there's a there's a point in these situations where you know i i did what i did because it, it you know it needed to be done i sat there and i thought to myself you know okay i'll put the belt around his waist did i want to no but you know what i'll do it yeah of course you know uh, all right you know as embarrassing as it was 
kiss the man's boot. All right, fine. You know, I, I did what I did in hopes that it wouldn't escalate, in hopes that it would satisfy Darius Carter's sick and twisted vision of of of, of his own ego. And obviously, he didn't. Now, BCW management, like you said, saw the footage. They're kind of rectifying it at WrestleCade. It's going to be a rematch down in uh, North Carolina, right? Yes, and I will. I will be there. It, it's going to be great to see. At WrestleCade, for the first time ever at WrestleCade, and in my opinion, the biggest wrestling weekend not named Mania. Okay. The WrestleCade convention in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, live at the Benson Center. It will be Darius Carter defending the BCW World Heavyweight Championship in a rematch against Azriel at WrestleCade's Showcase of Champions. For those of you who are not familiar, WrestleCade, a three-day event happens Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, every year, after, right after Thanksgiving. And Friday night, WrestleCade Weekend kicks off. The first event of WrestleCade Weekend is an event called Showcase of Champions, where uh, WrestleCade allows for champions of multiple different promotions to defend their titles and championships on that show. And we're talking in front of hundreds, close to thousands of hungry wrestling fans. Um, so not only is it going to be incredible that BCW's championship will be able to be defended on that stage. Uh, I remember when BCW management was contacted shortly after Azrael defeated Jack Swagger and they were get, they were made the offer. You know, would you like to defend the BCW heavyweight championship at at WrestleCade? Wow. Nice. And, you know, BCW management quickly agreed. Quickly agreed. Uh, I, I've known the management uh, down at WrestleCade for a while, so I was I was glad to be able to make that connection for BCW. And you know, yes, would we have loved for it to have been Azriel or Darius Carter versus one of the many big name stars that are going to be there at WrestleCade weekend? Of course, would I have liked for it to have been the BCW champion versus someone like, you know, Jack Swagger? Of course, would I have loved for it to have been the BCW champion versus someone like the NWA's world champion, Nick Aldis? Of course, would I have loved for it to have been the BCW champion versus someone like a, a Shane Hurricane Helms? Of course, but it made sense after what happened at a cold day in hell. Now, this rematch needed to happen, uh, and this was the best place for it to happen. Azriel is the longest reigning and defending, well, was the longest reigning defending BCW heavyweight champion. Darius Carter Ego only calls for him to be on this kind of stage. If either one of these men deserve to be the champion, they will walk out with that title at WrestleCade weekend. Now, you're defending it at WrestleCade because BCW is off in December. You guys return in 2019 in January. Now with a normal show, you guys are doing an all-women's tournament to crown the first ever BCW Women's Champion. Talk about that. Yeah, so uh, awesome, awesome show to kick off 2019. Will be an all-women's show. You know, the, the entire show won't be about the tournament. Let me rephrase that. All of the matches on the show will not necessarily be for the BCW Women's Champions Tournament. The majority of the matches will be right now, from what I'm hearing from BCW management, they're looking at about anywhere from 10 to 12 women to partake in the tournament, you know, and maybe one or two other matches that uh, that night, you know, to see what happens. But it's, it's going to be crazy that night. First ever BCW Women's Champion. I know that the, the championship... Uh, was en route to BCW management offices this week. 
So it will be in hand soon enough. Uh, maybe some teases coming on social media soon enough. Do you know? What, do you know what it looks like? I do have. Well, I remember what the concept was. The concept art that was sent out to the belt producers. I have heard that it looks very, very close to what the concept art was. And listen, you've seen the BCW Heavyweight Championship and how beautiful that title is. Yep. So you know that BCW management, especially Mr. Anthony Cole, going to be looking for an equally beautiful BCW Women's Championship. And, and I can tell you, the main reason why BCW decided to do a tournament for the Women's Championship is simply because BCW did a, cha- a tournament for the BCW Heavyweight Championship when it first arrived on the scene. And we felt that the women in our company should get the equal standing like the men did when competing for the championship, uh, except we did not want to hold the tournament over multiple months and felt that we could do a one-night tournament for the women's championship, and that will be on January 18th. It's going to be a great night. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing who becomes the first-ever BCW women's champion, and if someone like Faye Jackson can make good on what she's been saying for months, that she is the uncrowned queen at BCW. Yeah, I think like her tournament to lose, like in my opinion, but you don't, we don't know the other 9 to 11 women participating so you never know well i can i can uh you know i can I give you a little scoop oh exclusive here on a shot of wrestling i can tell you okay that not only will faye jackson be competing for the bcw women's championship but i can tell you now i won't tell you if she's in the tournament or not okay this is something that bcw management does not want to reveal but i can tell you that appearing that night on january the 18th will be none other than pca member tasha steels okay now, whether or not she'll be included in the tournament for the BCW Women's Championship or whether she'll be involved in some other matchup that night, I do not know. Uh, BCW management is keeping that kind of on the hush-hush, but I have been told that appearing that night in some capacity, uh, she will be in action in some capacity, will be Tasha Steeles. And if I know AJ Pan as well as I know AJ Pan, I'm sure that he's doing everything that he can to try and get Tasha Steeles to be involved in the BCW Women's Title Tournament. Now, can you settle a rumor for us in January, the all-women's tournament, is it going to be in the Bronx or back in here in Queens at the Elks Lodge? Um, I'm not sure yet. I know there's been talk uh, with both places. I know we've had such a really great relationship with the new venue in the Bronx at St. Helena's, a great venue, great uh, setup there. But, you know, just stay tuned for that. The venue has not been announced yet, but I do know that, uh, the Elks Lodge has been in contact with BCW about returning, uh, whether it be for a one-off or things like that. And who knows, January 18th may be that time. Awesome. Speaking about the Elks Lodge, your boy here at Michael J. Party and Green Man will be making our commentary debut this upcoming weekend at the Elks Lodge for new wrestling. Now, as the voice of BCW, do you have any commentary advice for newcomers such as myself? Yeah, stay away. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> You know, first off, Michael J. Putty, congratulations so. on, on, on getting your first uh, taste at the commentary table. I will say that Green Man, over the months that I've been uh, able to work with him, has really developed himself into a very fast-learning commentary, commentary man. It is a joy to work with him. Obviously, I get him in short, in short bursts, right? Um, it's like when you get, it's like when you go and see a, a newborn baby, it's like, I'm good with it for two hours. After that, I'm giving it back. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest advice to you, uh, Michael J. Putty for your first night on commentary is 
don't blow your voice out too early. Okay. I know a lot of a lot of commentators, they kind of get out there that first time and it's just like I don't know if it's nerves. I don't know if it's just the the anxiousness of being up there. I don't know if it's excitement or I don't know if it's um, just not really understanding that you're going to be there for three hours. Make sure that you are saving your voice for the whole show. You don't want to get to the main event of the show, the biggest match on the show, just by definition, and not have a voice to be able to call that match in. Build the voice. I'm not saying for you to be super duper quiet like a dormouse in the beginning and then be super duper boisterous at the end. Um, but especially when you're just starting, you know, you want to come out with an even voice. You don't want to change your voice. You want to maintain the same voice structure Okay, great advice. For, the, for the entire night. Right. So you don't want to, you know, if you start up here and you're doing this and you're doing that, and you're doing this in the first match then you got to be able to do this in the last match. And if, you, if you're doing this in the first match, and then you sound like this in the last match, it's terrible. Yeah. You know, the only other advice I could tell you, and this is something that I, I learned from some veterans passing it down to me, and Matt, remember that you're, you're painting a picture for people who can't see it live, but the best way you can do that is imagine as if it's your responsibility to explain what is happening and why... It's happening to a fan who just happens to be blind. Oh, okay. I like that. Think about it as this person obviously cannot see anything that is happening. And the only way that they can create the mental picture as to what is going on is based on your commentary. What you're saying is happening and the picture that you're able to paint with your words. And if they're not getting the whole picture, then we're not doing our job. Mr. Rosado, thank you so much for your time, as always. Heal that face. Put some ice in the nose. Hopefully the swelling has gone down by now. The black and blues I'm still, are still there, I'm assuming. Yeah, the, the swelling has gone down. The black and blue is kind of almost gone now. I'm glad for that. I really didn't want to have to go to North Carolina with that kind of stuff on my face. And thankfully, uh, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, uh, I, I might make the sacrifice of not wearing the mask all around WrestleCade, mostly because I don't want to look like a, a bit of a, a douchey douche. Yeah. But I will be sad that a shot of wrestling is not at WrestleCade weekend, but I will say that I would hope that next year for WrestleCade weekend, that not only will BCW once again be a part of the WrestleCade weekend festivities, but that a shot of wrestling will be able to be at WrestleCade weekend, helping to cover WrestleCade weekend. Your lips to God's ears, my friend. You know, let's, let's see if we can make that happen. I think 2019 is going to be a very, very big year for not only BCW, but I also believe for a shot of wrestling. Well, I hope so. One uh, hand in hand, my friend. Hand in hand. There we go. Thank you, sir. Rest up. And uh, thank you, Mr. We'll hear from thank you, soon. you, Mr. Putty. Hopefully, get back to All the right. studio sooner to talk about Russell Cade. I'm down for it, man. Once we get back from Russell Cade, I will definitely be more than happy to stop by the studio. You know that anytime. Myself and BCW, we owe a lot to a shot of wrestling, and we will always uh, be available for you guys. So until next time, Mr. Putty, I bid you adieu. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Always great talking to Pete. Hope his face feels better. Thank you for the advice. Safe travels to North Carolina for Russell Cade. But anyway, before we get into the news, we got a lot of stuff to get into. But Green Man sat down with Glacier. Love Glacier. Wanted to meet Glacier at BCW. Pay for the photo op and autograph. And he actually chatted with me for a couple minutes, which is awesome. He didn't need to do that, but it was awesome. And later on, after I made my managerial debut, coming back from that, he stopped me. Oh, by the way, uh, 
Let's take another picture. I was not happy with the first picture, even though he didn't see it. Let's take another picture together. So we took another like three pictures together in the middle of the hallway. He didn't need to do that. Why would he even, why would he even do that? Glacier's awesome. That's all you need to know. Not only is Glacier awesome to retake pictures with me without me asking him to do that, I saw him sitting down in the floor to watch the rest of the show. Fucking Glacier. WCW legend. Why is he sitting on the floor to watch the rest of the show of, of indie guys? He didn't need to do that. Glass act, Glacier, all the way. So Green Man sits down with it. Here's a chunk of that interview. So Green Man, take it away. All right, everybody, welcome, family. Welcome to another exciting edition of A Shot of Wrestling, the interviews. If you have not done so already, follow us on all forms of social media at A Shot of Wrestling on Facebook and Instagram and Shot of Wrestling No A on Twitter. You can also contact us via email at inbox at shotofwrestling.com or dial it up 619-343-3005 and leave your comments on the Shot of Wrestling hotline. We say it's time. And time again, that wrestling brings us together, and today is no different. Today, we are joined by WCW's own Glacier. How are you, Ray? Welcome to a shot oh, of wrestling. Man. Thank you, bro. It's great to be here, man. I, you know what? I love that. I love that, that that statement you just said. Wrestling brings us together because it really does. It's brought me into the world of meeting a lot of people that uh, that I admired growing up and stuff and yeah and it still does so yeah i i, I totally get that i love that I love, I love that line well you've been through a large part of different times of eras in professional yeah. wrestling i mean you you were you started training back when it was the territory days you made it to yeah. wcw yeah. you the debut of glacier <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know that was a journey and i remember this because i was very glued into the promos and to the hype that was coming up behind it. i'm like who is this guy you know um there was so <laughs> much money and so much time invested into this character you know and it could have been anybody you know sure. now thinking back about it you know, you, yeah, you were Glacier, but the character of Glacier could have been anybody else. Uh, right. So walk us through in, in your perspective, how did you come to the character Glacier? Or did the character Glacier come to you? No, you know, and it's one of the things that I always tell um, my trainees and in the seminar, I always tell them there's, there's two great injustices in this world. One is to be completely prepared for something, you know, whatever your career is, and mm-hmm. but the opportunity never comes. That's the biggest injustice in the world. The second biggest injustice in the world is for the break to come and you not be ready for it. And I moved to Atlanta in 1990 because I I knew I needed to go where the action was. I wanted to be with WCW. I moved from South Georgia where I went to college and and played college football and everything and had a great career going. um, But I went there with the intent that I was going to get I was going to get on board with WCW somehow, some way, you know, I was a school teacher. So I taught school during the week, wrestled every weekend, usually back then, because I came in during the end of the territory system. I usually could wrestle about four nights a week, you know, Wednesday to, through Sunday or through Saturday, usually. I mean, and, and that was because it was a great time during wrestling then. And um, one of the first things I did was I joined a gym called Main Event Fitness, which was owned by Lex Luger and Sting. You know, mm-hmm. I put myself mm-hmm. around the people that could, you know, I always say, you know, put yourself where, where you want to be, where you want to work, you know, right. and, uh, and I, but, you know, and and you know, and I was I was pretty decent at the time. I was coming along. I became then eventually became good friends with Diamond Dallas Page, uh, who's still one of my dearest friends to this day. And um, 
and I'll never forget. Uh, Dallas kept trying to find the time to maybe pitch something to Eric, and, and the timing just never seemed to be right. Uh, I knew I was ready. About three years before I got my break, I knew I was ready. The other thing I tell everybody, too, is you got to be patient in this business. You could be the most deserving. You could be ready, but that doesn't mean the break's going to come. It took me 10, almost 10 years to the month. I broke in in April of 1986. 86. Mm-hmm. My break came in January of 1996. So mm-hmm. 10 years later, I, I, I chipped away and worked hard and the biggest payday i always tell people you know i went to the uwf uwf in japan and worked overseas during uh, a three-year period where i was going to the summers and the holiday breaks and i made pretty good money there but in the states in the states the biggest payday i ever had in wrestling on the indie circuit of those 10 years was i was just i, I always used to say 50 bucks but I, I remember back when i was talking to somebody recently that i think i made 75 bucks one time but i wasn't doing it for the money i was doing it because it was my passion and i, I wasn't doing it for the fame of fortune i was doing it because this is what i really really wanted to do and being inside a wrestling ring made me come alive more than anything i'd ever known in my life and so it, i knew had a very clear vision of why i was doing this is because this was something that i said this makes me come alive more than college football more than martial arts more than anything i'm gonna find a way to make a living doing this so i was ready i was ready i was i was i was more ready than i could ever been for three years the break never came and then one day i was with dallas december 23rd i believe it was of 1995 we were in the mall in atlanta he and i were christmas shopping we sat down at a, at a pizza restaurant <laughs> back when dallas ate pizza that was not gluten that was you know <laughs> didn't have gluten-free stuff in it and uh um and i said yeah dallas i'm, I'm thinking about putting some martial arts stuff in my ring you know what i do in the ring and he goes oh bro his mouth full of pizza bro that'd be great if you knew some of that stuff and i said uh norman page he did not say stuff he said <laughs> but, uh, but I said, uh, I said, man, I, I told him everything you know, I'd studied since I was about 15 years old. I was really serious into it. Had a form, you know, great career as a, as a kickboxer and all. He goes, yeah. he goes, you know, Bischoff's into all that stuff. I said, I had no mm. idea. He goes, he goes, tell me more. So he told me more. I said, you know, he goes, let me tell, let me go ahead to Bischoff and tell him all this. So he tells Bischoff and, uh, and, and Bischoff said, hey, I like what I hear. Let's get to the holidays and, and, you know, I want to meet with him afterwards. So it was really the first week of January, I believe. There's a rest, there was a rest steakhouse in their neighborhood, right outside of their, their neighborhood. And they, Back then, they really did live about three houses apart. And um, and I walk into this restaurant, and at the back of the restaurant, there's Bischoff. And I sit down with him, and uh, I can't remember if Paige actually came with us in the beginning or not, which is odd. I, I should remember that, but I don't. But I just know that eventually it was just me and Eric. And um, for almost three hours, mm-hmm. almost three hours, he grilled me up one side down the other about my martial arts, about my wrestling, about everything. The one thing I remember mostly from that meeting is that he never got up to go to the bathroom. And I remember thinking, like at one point, like I was drinking a lot of water, and I was like, I had to really go go pee. And I was thinking, <laughs> I, I will, I'm not getting up before he does because if I come back, he may be gone. Right, right. <laughs> so, but uh, long story short, and there's a lot that I'm, I'm you know leaving out for time's sake. But um, after it's all said and done, I, you know, I, I I I was speaking with a lot of confidence. I knew I was ready, you know. And mm-hmm. he looked. At me and he said well you know i like what i hear and he said um hey, i want to sign you to a, a contract for wcw literally never saw me wrestle never saw a tape of me wow. nothing and it, based on dallas's word and that that meeting and i said awesome and so he said uh are you working right now and i had a really great job at that time i'd left teaching to work go with my mentor chip smith he was the athletic director of the atlanta athletic club which is one of the most prestigious country clubs in the, in america mm-hmm. and i was i was the uh, the fitness director under him so i had a good job and i was not about to just give that up even though my dream was wrestling i right. wasn't about to walk away from that and uh without a good deal on the table and uh and he we 
talked a little bit and and he and I agree that it was you know certainly piqued my interest and he said I never forget him saying this he said he said uh, let me ask you, are you are you still wrestling on the independent independent scene I said yes sir I am he goes well I'm willing to pay you to disappear from the independent wrestling scene <laughs> and I said I never forget him looking I look right at me and I go I can do that <laughs> and so uh, so um that was the beginning of it but I was my whole point of that that lengthy story is that that when the time came I was ready and and I knew I was ready and he knew I was ready based on and I and I you know there's always say when when you get in a position like that that's not the time to be humble mm-hmm. and I'm a pretty humble guy right but I knew right then I got one shot at this and I gotta I gotta I gotta be memorable I gotta when we walk out of this meeting he's got to remember me you know long after you know and and and, and that's how it started and uh little did I know at that time that that he had been approached by you know the Turner broadcasting people because of the, the immense popularity of Mortal Kombat back mm-hmm. in, the, in the 90s uh that they wanted to bring that action to the ring and say you know let's let's you know let's uh, see if we can take this and, and, and make it work in the wrestling business. And that's what wrestling does. Wrestling, you know, anyone that I always see when people say, oh, it was a Mortal Kombat ripoff. Well, of course it was. You know, that's what was popular in society. And that's exactly. what wrestling does. They mimic what's popular in society, you know. And so, um, but we were we were given the task of making it our own, which I think we really did. And, uh, and you know, and, and, and I will say over the years, you know, there's been, there were critics of it. I get that. Um, but, you know, what I've learned, especially um, here over the last several years, there were a whole lot of fans of it. And um, and I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I, and I realized that, you know, as we went through it, Dallas has told me several times, he said, you know, you weren't picked because of all this. But as we go through it, I realized, you know, when the nights he goes, you know, you were the perfect guy because you could handle the, the criticism of it. And where a lot of people would have fought back and been defensive, you just let it roll off your back. And I did. How was that all in weekend for you, by the way? Oh. Because it was a, it was a special time for I think all wrestling fans and everybody. It, it was just a very special moment. You know, I'm kind of torn that I wasn't able to make it, but the stories I heard in, uh, about the electricity in that room and people just coming together, like yeah. it, it, it was it was something magical. I just remember thinking, like, holy cow, this thing's ten times bigger than what I thought it was going to be. You know, and, uh, and 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 yeah, and, and there was just a magic electricity in the air. Um, and, and I'm somebody who, as I get older, I, I, I think I get more emotional. But it just meant so much to me. And I know it did to Dallas and, and, and mm-hmm. to Dreamer, too, you know, that Cody thought enough of us and thought enough. Uh, you know, this was, you know, he's tried so hard to, to carve out his own career. And I cannot even imagine how challenging that must have been you know being in the shadow of, of one of the most iconic you know wrestlers of all time is your dad and uh, and i think he's done a great job but i just remember him saying to me in dallas like you know I, i've you know tried very hard to, to 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 make my own path but there's no getting around this one everybody's gonna compare you know me to dad because he held this title you know nwa world title three times and, mm-hmm. and that's why he said instead of instead of dancing around instead of dodging i'm gonna embrace it yeah and obviously he said you know that you know you guys are the ones that we're on my dad's short list of friends, which wow. I can't even tell you what that means. And mm-hmm. uh, and I always say, I always, I always, because Dusty has a lot of people that that I know the world love Dusty, and uh, and and I always say that you know he did a lot of great things for a lot of people. As far as I know, he's the only guy that I'm the only guy where he was a groomsman at my wedding. That's special. Yeah, that just goes a level of special you can't even even really I can't even you know put the words, but but no, it was. Um, I was so happy for him. I was so happy for Brandy, his wife, uh, you know, his, uh, his father-in-law, um, Otis, his, his uh, brother-in-law, Kevin. They were all among the group of, you know, the Nightmare family. Uh, you know, his mom, uh, his sister were there. I mean, it was just 
just yeah, and, and and I tell you, I mean, it was it was a night for the fans too. It was such an incredible event where everybody felt like they were all in, in sync. And yeah. I don't I don't know if I've ever felt that in, in the wrestling business. It was just, uh, you know, I don't know if I'll ever feel that again. It was just a, an odd, unique synergy that just you know all came together at the right time and, and, and felt really really right when it did. Absolutely, and I think the event itself also sparked a lot of promoters who are trying to make something big with their company and and kind of put Cody in that spotlight of like, wow, look at this guy. If he could do something in this capacity, you know, there's hope for our little engine that could. And speaking of the little engine that could, BCW, (laughs) you know, we have, we're going on year three. We've had a lot of great people come through the doors of BCW and it kind of, it is an honor to have Glacier, come to bcw and what i am calling literally one of the biggest cards that we have ever put together how do you feel about coming to bcw you know what i i i booked this uh probably gosh i don't know three or four months ago and i've really really been looking forward to it and uh um well you're going to be going against one of our personal favorites eric Jaden, uh and the guy is red hot right now recently just uh, won the LAW championship from Frankie Flo has created his own Deadly Sane squad, which is a group of individuals who are up and coming talent who are really using this platform to get off. Uh, are are you afraid the Deadly Sane squad lurking in the shadows during your match? <laughs> you know what? Uh, obviously, you know anybody that's got any level of intelligence will, will say yes to that because uh, anytime it becomes more than than one on one, you know you, you have to. You have to kind of say, okay, well, yeah, you know, let me let me figure out what I'm up against here. But uh, but you know what? Uh, here's the thing that um, you know, that I, that I'll, I'll put out there is that once again, I've been doing this for a long time. Don't think that I'm just going to show up and start thinking about this match and this situation at the moment I get there. I've had a lot of time mm. to put my thoughts together. I've had a lot of time to be proactive. So trust me when I tell you, there's that old saying that you know, even though I know I'm uh, you know the twilight of my career, so to speak. There's an old saying, you know, that the Dusty used to love this is I may not be as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. So, <laughs> so, so, uh, so you know, um, anybody who's uh, thinking about trying a little something that night, just know that uh, that my head will be on the swivel and I may have a few surprises for, for uh, the fans myself. Very interesting. I'm looking forward to that already, man. Uh, if we wanted to follow you on social media outside of your website, is there any social media handles that we could follow you at? Yeah, um, actually, my, my fan page on, on Facebook is um, uh, just Glacier Healthy. Excuse me, Glacier Ray Lloyd, uh, and then One Fall Power Factory is our school, and I, I post on there just about every day. Um, my personal page is Ray Lloyd, even though I know now they do the you know you still have the five thousand you know cutoff, but uh, from what I understand, you can still follow after five thousand. You know, <laughs> yeah, we can follow still follow. Me. Yeah. Yeah, because and I put a lot of stuff on my personal page that I don't put on the other one. So, uh, so yeah, and um, uh, at Twitter, um, I'm, uh, you know, it's it's I, I, at I am Glacier, you know. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, feel free to to follow me and, and send me a message. Uh, uh, once again, I, I'm so thankful I get to do this, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, it's it's funny with the network and everything rerunning so many episodes of our stuff now. I've I laughed and I've kind of become Glacier. It's kind of become like a cult figure. You know, I, I get yeah. invited to as many sci-fi conventions as I do wrestling conventions. So interesting, uh, so, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's some stuff we can talk about on the next next time. But, yeah, uh, absolutely. But yeah, <laughs> uh, but we you know, and that's the thing too. I mean, like I said, you know, I've 
you know, there were uh, there were people that were um, that, you know fans of the gimmick. There were critics of the gimmick, but that's the real estate business, and and you know, and I'm I'm totally fine with all that. But as long uh, as they're talking about learned, you, man. Yeah, yeah, they're still talking about it, and that's all I say too. I always say, look, whether you love me or hated me during the nineties, it's pretty hard to miss me. <laughs> that's true. You are you're amazing, man. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, but we're not done with you yet. So hang tight because we still have last call. Hey, this is Glacier. Make sure you stay tuned to the end of this episode for Last Call. It's In the News with Michael J. Putty. No, great interview overall with Glacier. Thank you for your time again. Great hearing your story about how he got involved with All In for Cody Rhodes, representing his father, Dusty Rhodes. Definitely go check out our YouTube, a shot of wrestling. Check out the full interview with WCW legend Glacier. Looking to a busy week of news here. As you all know by now, Becky Lynch suffered an injury at the hands of Nia Jax during SmackDown's invasion of Raw. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter noted that the decision was made the next morning by both Vince McMahon and Ronda Rousey to push that match to WrestleMania. But Becky Lynch actually suffered a broken nose, not a broken face, but they're using broken face or fractured face because it sounds way more serious than a broken nose. And a broken nose might not be enough to keep Becky Lynch out of action. So they felt that a broken face was more believable. But however, in reality, the more serious issue was her severe concussion. As of this recording, there was no scheduled timetable for Becky Lynch's return. It was a huge blow. That was the only match I was looking forward to. I was hoping and praying that match would be your main event. It was the only match with any build whatsoever. Though it's sad, I mean, I mean, guess glass half full, we're going to get that on the grandest stage of them all at WrestleMania 35 in MetLife Stadium here in New York City slash New Jersey. We wish Becky a quick recovery. Hope she's on the shelf for too long. But remember Naomi won the belt and she got hurt and like a week later they stripped her of the belt even though she was going to be able to recover in time for WrestleMania. I fucking hate these stupid fucking made up rules. But I'm hoping they don't strip her of the belt. I want to come to that. And I'm hoping this only fuels fire to the phenomenon that right now is Becky Lynch. Ah oh, man, I'm so looking forward to this match. So pissed. Another news. Daniel Bryan won the WWE Championship on SmackDown, which apparently shocked everybody from wrestlers to producers to senior WWE officials backstage. Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles were also surprised by the decision and didn't know this would go down until Vince McMahon gave the order just 20 minutes before SmackDown went on the air. I kind of find that hard to believe, but also very believable. But apparently uh, Daniel Bryan has been pushing to go heel for a while now. Also the decision to have Daniel Bryan go over AJ Styles to win the championship had nothing to do with Becky Lynch's injury. This was being discussed before that injury, as of Sunday night even. But then also rumors that Vince McMahon did not want AJ Styles to lose to Brock Lesnar two years in a row. And AJ Styles beating Brock Lesnar wasn't believable, paraphrasing there, which is bullshit. AJ Styles can definitely beat Brock Lesnar. But they feel Daniel Bryan, Brock Lesnar, will tell a better story. Daniel Bryan's dream match is against Brock Lesnar, apparently, which I don't see why that's even a possibility. But Daniel Bryan wants Brock Lesnar... Daniel Bryan's getting Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series, which is another loss for SmackDown. Ugh. You know Brock Lesnar ain't losing to nobody. In other news, following a series of concussions after a short period of time, Alexa Bliss will be out of action for the foreseeable future. WWE is not going to take any risks with her return, and her timetable on her return will be very much depend on medical assessments from her doctors, WWE doctors, third-party doctors. You know, I'm mean, hoping Alexa Bliss can get through this. I'm hoping she gets a clear bill of health. Alexa Bliss is in her prime. 
Brock Lesnar must be silent for injury is going to be a huge loss for the WWE Universe as a whole. You know, there are still plans to keep her on TV as a non-physical role, much like Paige's SmackDown general manager, but, you know, Alexa Bliss needs to be in the ring, bro. So, uh, just thoughts and prayers, Alexa Bliss. Hopefully she gets cleared sooner rather than later. And you know, I'll keep you updated on this. Another news. Cody Rhodes is really not renewing his contract with Ring of Honor, and there are plans in place for him to face Ring of Honor champion Jay Lethal at Final Battle on December 14th. However, this week he revealed on his social media that if he wins that match, he will take the title belt into free agency with him, saying, and I quote, Jay was the first match I had in Ring of Honor two years ago, and he'll be my last, and if I and I will take that world championship into free agency. Now, is that a clear sign that Cody Rhodes is going to lose this match? Or do you see Cody Rhodes taking the Ring of Honor world championship to other promotions? Maybe BCW? And if that happens, if Cody Rhodes brings the Ring of Honor world championship to BCW, Cody, I have experience being a title holder. If you need me to carry that belt to ringside for you, I have experience. I will gladly do it. I'll be even better than I was last time. So, you know, hit me up at Party on all your social medias. But on the news, you know, the Mixed Match Challenge is still going on, folks. Is anybody watching that? Last last season, they had the winners win a prize to their charity of their choice. However, in season two, the winners will get a very nice reward. The winning superstars of the season will receive the coveted 30th entry in their respective Battle Royal. So they miss an Oscar win, which I don't think they will. But if they do, as an example, Miz will be the 30th entrant in the Men's Royal Rumble. Oscar will be the 30th entrant in the Women's Royal Rumble. That is huge, folks. I don't know why they're not pushing that even further. If they said this on Raw and SmackDown, that would give me a reason to watch Mixed Match Challenge. Oh, because there's actually something on the line here. And not for nothing, also, they will receive an all-expenses paid vacation to anywhere in the world. That's huge. If you had an opportunity, golden ticket to an all-expensed vacation to anywhere in the world, where would you go? Hit me up, at my party. I've been thinking about it all week. I don't know where I would go. I have a couple options, but I can't narrow it down to just one specific option. Now, folks, in other news, it's one of my favorite times of the year. The release of WrestleMania numbers. Here we go. WWE and Louisiana Governor John Bill Edwards announced that WrestleMania 34 generated $175 million in economic impact for the greater New Orleans area, which marks a significant increase from $142 million from WrestleMania 30 and the seventh consecutive year that WrestleMania generated over $100 million in economic impact for its host city. Now, over the past 12 years, WrestleMania had generated more than $1.2 billion with a B in cumulative economic impact for cities. WrestleMania 34 also generated approximately $23.7 million in federal, state, and local taxes. $175 million in direct, indirect, and induced impact derived from spending by visitors to New Orleans. 77% of fans that attended WrestleMania were from outside New Orleans and stayed an average of 3.9 nights. $22 million was spent on hotels and accommodations within New Orleans. The economic impact derived from WrestleMania week was equal to the creation of 1,583 full-time jobs for New Orleans. And $9.9 million was spent by visitors to New Orleans in local area restaurants. I would know. I spent most of that on myself. New Orleans, that's great food. Definitely check out New Orleans. I don't know why I just love hearing the numbers, the impact that WrestleMania had on its host city. There you go, folks. Can you imagine what those numbers are? WrestleMania 35 here in the New York, New Jersey, Tri-State area. Of course, my impact to that number will be far less because, you know, I can sleep in my bed. No flight, no hotel, no restaurants. Can't wait. My favorite time of the year, WrestleMania in New York City. Although I will seriously miss visiting a new city. It's part of the ambiance, part of the prestige. But finally, in other news, let's end on some hopefully happy news. Story we've been following closely here. There's been much speculation about Jason Jordan's in-ring future with the WWE. With many suggesting he will not even be able to return due to issues with his neck. But Jordan himself is remaining optimistic. He said, and I quote, I am ready to attack this week and make huge improvements. I've been trying to keep an eye on the prize and look at the big picture. I'm still on the road to recovery. And I'm very optimistic about getting back to where I belong. 
going back to Alexa Bliss, you know, it sucks to see somebody in their prime get cut down due to injury. And Jason Jordan not even in his prime. So it's just sad. Hopefully he can overcome this. Hopefully he gets through this. And uh, we'll keep you updated. But you know, look, it's not all lost for Jason Jordan. He is currently working backstage as a producer. So he does have something to fall back on. But being a producer is not the same as being a WWE superstar. So we'll keep you updated. That's all I got for news. I'm going to refill my drink before we get some action-packed week of cheers and heels. A shot of wrestling presents here and here. Like I mentioned in the beginning of the show, I had a nice, relaxed week off. It's nice just to get away to unwind. Do you know who else could use some time to unwind? Our boys over at To Be The Man Comics, after a wild night of finding each other and a horde of the undead. Hazard and Grimes are just looking for a little R&R before their next show, when evil comes calling once again. With the boys at each other's throats, in and out of the ring, will the Devil Stooges have the advantage in their hot pursuit of fabulous Frank's gold? The boozy Bruces better have more than vitamins and prayers on their side, because things are about to turn into a real barn burner. Cheers and Heels brought to you by To Be The Man Comics Evil and Good Chapter 3, now available on Amazon.com. Let's get right into it. Let's start with Raw. Big heel again. Braun Strowman burying the entire tag team division, much like he did right before WrestleMania. What was the point of this? You guys got a billion... Raw has no tag team division whatsoever. Oh, AOP just won the tag team championships from somebody. Oh, from Dolph Ziggler, I think, right? Raw's tag team division sucks. There's nothing to it. I'm surprised they even got a whole team together for Survivor Series. But it doesn't matter because Braun Strowman buried everybody, and for SmackDown to lose this tag team match would be an abomination. This should be an automatic win for SmackDown and Survivor Series. But, uh... I wouldn't be surprised if fucking Raw wins here because Raw is their fucking golden job. I'm going to cheers Dean Ambrose in that promo. Great promo from Dean Ambrose. Loved it. Loved every minute of it. Except the fact that why was that car so fucking close to that fucking fire? Like, you couldn't, you know, spread it out a little bit. Had me paranoid the whole way. Had me paranoid the whole fucking promo. But I did love the symbolism of him burning his uh, shield, bulletproof black vest, whatever you want to call it. That was cool. Um, What happened to Leo Rush's microphone? Uh, he was ringside for Bobby Lashley's match, but he didn't have a microphone, or I did not get to hear him say, Lashley, Lashley. I mean, that's what he's there for. Give the man a microphone, please. Damn. Mickey James looks smoking hot. No? Oh, man. Ooh, wow. Her husband's a lucky son of a bitch. And can we talk about corporate Alexa Bliss for a minute? Oh, man. She's just equally as smoking hot. Oof. Wow. Where was I here? I got a little distracted. Oh, yeah. Uh, cheers. I'm going to use that in Invasion. You know, the W had been pushing Survivor Series for like only two weeks. There was been no push, no build to Survivor Series. And this week I was wondering, are they going to do an invasion angle, much like they did last year? And boom, they did. And even more effectively than last year. Oh, that was such badass. Oh, man. Subtle, total, utter demolishing of the Raw Women's Division. SmackDown's far better than Raw in every instance. Better Women's Division. Better Tag Team Division. The main event scene is more diverse. Oh, man. But, you know, heel here... Rhonda could have sold her beat down a lot better. I mean, she was just holding her arm, but she got up no problem. She could have, she could have sold it. She uh, could have sold it better. Plus, one to the A show, SmackDown. Heel Becky Lynch getting pulled from Survivor Series. You know, talk about it in the news. After what happened, see the amount of blood that she was going through and having her have to leave ringside to go see a doctor during the invasion. It, I, it didn't look good for her. But I was hoping, my hopes of hopes, that she would get cleared. But that was uh, 
wrong. Like I said, it was the only match I was looking forward to, man. That match, hopefully, would have main evented Survivor Series. Imagine Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey main eventing. Oh, that would have been epic. An instant classic. <sighs> so, I've, I've nothing to look forward to with Survivor Series this year. Nothing. Except tag team match, man. Surprise, surprise, I was hugely marking out. Big cheers to the Colognes. If you have been a loyal listener, you know I've been high on the Colognes since their SmackDown debut. I hated their Raw gimmick of that whole uh, Caribbean pamphlet thing they're doing. But when they came over to SmackDown, they got a new attitude, new gimmick, new shtick. They were all about business, Raw attitude. And I was so excited to see where things went from there. I was so hyped, so high on the Colognes. Go back and check out the episode from two years ago. But due to injury, they had been pushed to the back, barely used. I'm happy to see them on Team SmackDown. And just overall, Team SmackDown, I'm sorry, tag team of Team SmackDown is awesome. Usos, The New Day, The Colognes, The Good Brothers, and Sanity. There's no way Raw can compete with that, man. I mean, Raw has uh, The Revival, which is badass. Lucha House Party. B-Team. The Ascension, which could be badass if given a fucking chance. And uh, Bobby Roode and the other guy, Chad Gable. I mean, that's an automatic win for Team SmackDown here. I'm going to heal... You know, Daniel Bryan getting a WWE title match, ignoring everything we know about backstage politics, Daniel Bryan pushing for this, Daniel Bryan wanted to go against Brock Lesnar, this man not won AJ Styles lose two years in a row, ignoring all that. The reason why he got a match didn't make any sense to me. What was the reasoning for this match? Now, I did not watch SmackDown Live live. As noted last week, I was watching the season premiere of The Curse of Oak Island. It was a two-hour premiere on the History Channel. Started at 9 o'clock. Definitely check it out. They're definitely finding gold this season. They found gold. They found a coin already. They're using a new technology to see underground in full, like 2D, I think it was, maybe 3D. I don't know, but they're definitely finding something this season. The Curse of Oak Island, Tuesday nights, 9 o'clock, History Channel. Definitely check it out. But as I'm watching that, I got a notification on my phone that, that SmackDown will feature a WWE title match with AJ Styles going against Daniel Bryan, and right away I knew that he was losing. Right away I knew something was going to happen. AJ Styles is going to lose here. Because why do this match again? And more importantly, why did do this match again for no fucking reason here? So I knew he was going to lose, but I didn't know how or why. Still really don't know fucking why. But apparently he turned heel. This is going to be the start of Daniel Bryan's heel turn, which is going to be very prominent on SmackDown, leading up to a big match at WrestleMania 35. Don't really care. Maybe I will in the next couple of weeks. Final cheers. Good to see Selena Vega back alongside her man, Andre Cien Almas. Good to see her back. She was missed last week. She had an injury last week. She couldn't make it over to England. How to see her back? She's smoking hot. Let's go over to Impact. I'm going to heal. Tessa was talking smack about Taya Valkyrie. Twitch Taya came out to defend herself. Apparently, she talked to Impact Management and she got a title shot at Homecoming on January 6th. <sighs> That's like two fucking months away. So we're getting a two fucking month feud between Taya Valkyrie and Tessa Blanchard? We're going to do it for two fucking months. Ugh. Going to do this drag out, huh? Couldn't happen sooner? Could not happen sooner. No chance? Could happen in Vegas? No? Not even a little bit? Happened in New York? I guess New York's better than Vegas. Now I'm going to heal this Rascals promo. Apparently Rascals are coming to Impact soon. Who? Who are the fucking Rascals? I think one of them was Damien Xavier from Lucha Underground, or Damien X, who's awesome. Decided to see him back on Impact. But who's the other two fucking stooges? They shot this promo, much like they did the uh, pot scenes on that 70s show, with them sitting around the table, and the camera just rotated to whoever was talking. In a cloud of smoke. That's exactly what happened here. These only three men were sitting around the table and the smoke was there and they were laughing and making stupid jokes and not making sense. I don't need to see this on my TV. 
okay? It's 2018. We don't need to promote the use of pot, first of all. We shouldn't, anyway, because, you know, in the majority of the country, it's still illegal. He just sound like a square here. But who are the rascals? Who, who are these other two guys? Am I supposed to know these guys? I don't. If I'm supposed to know who they are, I apologize. The other two guys do not look familiar. Damien Xavier does. He's awesome. But uh, I don't understand this. What are they going to be, potheads? They're going to be like fucking stoners? That doesn't sound like a great gimmick at all. Totally missed the bark for me here. Cheers, Johnny Impact versus Matt Seidel with a championship not on the line here. Very good match. Very fun to watch. Those two had great chemistry together. Hope they see these guys again. Hopefully in a championship match. Oh, snap. After that match, Killer Cross comes out, pours his heart out to Johnny Impact, and even offers him his services to protect him because nobody likes Johnny Impact backstage. But Killer Cross is willing to help protect him. He extends his hand, but Johnny Impact refuses and just walks away. Personally, in my heart of hearts, I feel that was a mistake. Imagine Johnny Impact and Killer Cross together. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. And what the fuck just happened here, folks? We see Moose backstage with some woman. Alicia Edwards comes in, try to get Moose to leave, because Eddie Edwards is crazy. And she's not sure what would happen if Eddie Edwards sees Moose backstage. But then Moose pointed out to his wife that he has two priors here in Las Vegas, and if he appears or says anything to him, he will call the cops. <sighs> then what happens? Eddie Edwards comes and attacks Moose later on in the show. Then he gets attacked by men. Not just any men, folks. Men in scrubs. Why are they in scrubs? Then one of the gods comes out of nowhere and injects a needle into Eddie Edwards' necks, which knocks him out. So his wife had committed to a psych ward? That's what I got from that. What the fuck, Alicia, man? Oh, that's fucked up. Another reason to stay single. Uh, cheers, Ali. The best thing going on in SmackDown, like I said, week after week after week. So Sue Young goes against some hot chick who held her own. But then after Sue Young won, she's still beating down on her. Kiara Hogan comes out to make a save. The man knew Allie comes out, but then Kiara confronts her face to face, but then Su Young comes back and leads Allie away. Oh man, still hands down the best thing going on impact. Su Young and Allie and Kiara Hogan, a highlight, a must see on impact. Oh man, I can go on and on about this. Hands down. Alright, so a little, little side note here. Uh I've talked about it openly on the show how I watched Impact very sporadically in the years prior. I watched it here and I watched it there. But for, I guess, luckily, for some reason, I remember very vividly watching Impact randomly. And it was Hulk Hogan in the ring with Austin Aries, the current X Division champion. And the X Division champion had two options. He could either retain the X Division championship, forgot what option B was, okay? But then Austin Aries created an option C. Option C, which meant that the champion voluntarily vacated the X Division championship in exchange for a World Heavyweight Championship at that time. At that year is what they called the, then Destination X. And I remember that really, really I don't remember anything after that because I didn't watch it afterwards. Didn't follow through with that storyline until this week. Brian Cage defeated Sammy Callahan in the main event. And he said afterwards that he's cashing in on option C. I've only started watching Impact, what, June? Maybe May or June? I don't know if option C is still a thing. Is this a yearly thing or is he bringing back option C? So that, you can answer me, let me know. But anyway... Let's get into some ratings. This week's Raw is with 2.45 million, which is up 0.37 from last week's 2.441 million. Raw was number eight for the night in viewership behind Monday Night Football, Monday Night Football kickoff, Sports Center at midnight, Fox News. Raw was number five in the 18 to 49 demographic this week behind, for the second week in a row, behind NFL, Monday Night Kickoff, Sports Center, and of course, Green Man's favorite show, Love and Hip Hop. 
Spec down this week drew a 2.312 million, which is up 11% from last week's 2.088 million. And is the most watched episode, of course, since SmackDown 1000. But excluding that, the most watched episode since the post-SummerSlam show on August 21st. SmackDown was number eight in the show for the night behind Richard Maddow, Fox News, and the curse of Oak Island. However, surprisingly, SmackDown was number one in the 18 to 49 demographic this week. Impact this week drew 101,000, which is down 22% from last week's 129,000. This week's show did not make the cable top 150. Last week's show drank 143. Big drop off. I mean, I can't wait for Impact to find a new TV home. It deserves one. Anyway, folks, let's get in some go-home thoughts. The topic of the weekend is Survivor Series. The only time we get at Raw and SmackDown go head-to-head. Bud Murphy goes against Mustafa Ali for the Cruiserweight Championship. Now bragging rights start with AOP, the Raw Tag Team Champions, going against the Bar, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. I'm assuming the AOP win here. AOP have not lost. Easy win for AOP. The IC champion Seth Rollins goes against Cheesecake Nakamura over the U.S. champion. Um, this is kind of a toss-up. Seth Rollins has made it clear that he's not paying attention to Cheesecake, but that could just be a, a, a ploy to lead us to believe that Seth Rollins will lose. I wouldn't be surprised if Seth Rollins wins here, although Cheesecake needs a win. Give Cheesecake this win here. He needs it. Jesus Christ. And I guess the only match I'm looking forward to, I guess, is Team Raw, Bobby Roode, Chad Gable, The Revival, B-Team, Lucha House Party, and The Ascension go against SmackDown, The Usos, The New Day, Sanity, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, and The Colognes. I mentioned in Cheers on Heels, this Team SmackDown has to win this one. This is a hands-down, easy one for SmackDown. For the women's Team Raw, Bitch James, Nia Jax, Tamina, Natalia, and Ruby Riot go against Team SmackDown, Carmella, Naomi, Sonya Deville, Asuka, and now, to be determined. Then we have the men. We have Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, and Bobby Lashley for Team Raw going against... The Miz, Shane McMahon, Mary Mysterio, Samoa Joe, and Jeff Hardy for Team SmackDown. Team Raw wins. Team Raw always wins here. I'm assuming Braun Strowman's going to have a big player here, so boring. Ronda Rousey going against Charlotte Flair. I mean, it's probably going to be a good match. Not as good as Baker Lynch, nor main event worldly, but whatever. It is what it is. And in your main event, Brock Lesnar going against Daniel Bryan. It should be a good match. But anyway, folks, that ends the show here. This from the studio. Looking forward to episode 144. Listen to our thoughts on our commentary debut for new evolution wrestling new from the world's famous elks lodge a lot of pressure this is their first show which means is our chance to become the voice of new wrestling so no pressure i mean green man's a pro green man's been doing it for months now so i have to i guess follow green man but green man's the color guy i'm the straight guy more ways than one so we'll play by ear give me a couple matches give me a couple shots i should be okay to go so make sure you check us out on YouTube, A Shot of Wrestling, to hear the full interview with Glacier, the full interview with everyone Greenman has interviewed in the past couple months. Follow us on Instagram, A Shot of Wrestling, on Facebook, A Shot of Wrestling, Shot of Wrestling, no A on Twitter. Stay up to date with whatever we got posted. We are posting a lot of good stuff lately, so check us out. Our social media is blowing up. You can follow your boy at Party on all social media platforms, including Facebook. I've not been posting much this week because, like I said, I was on vacation, blocking out the world around me. Now that I'm back to work, unfortunately. I'll go back to posting shit. But like I said, this show is from the fans to the fans, so definitely check us out. Get involved in the conversation. Dial it up, 619-343-3005. Any comments or questions or concerns? But that is all I have for you this week, folks. So for the Green Man, for WCW legend Glacier, for Gargoyle, Grimes, and Fabulous Frank, and everybody over there to be the man in comics, Evil Ain't Good, chapters 1, 2, and 3, now available on Amazon.com. And of course, for Pete Rosado, the voice of BCW, I have been your host at... Michael J. Putty, the voice of NEW. Until next week, have a happy Thanksgiving. Putty, yep. 
Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I need to announce it's last call at the bar. Oh. All right, everybody, we have made it to the end of the episode. But just when you think you're done, they bring us back in. And this time, we didn't come alone. We came with Glacier. So, Glacier, it's rapid fire questions. The first thing that comes to your mind is the first thing you should answer. Are you ready? (laughs) Oh, man, I I hope so. All right, let's go. (laughs) What is your favorite adult beverage? Ah, light beer. (laughs) Where is the best place you have ever traveled thanks to wrestling? Oh, Japan. Which wrestler did you mark out to when you were growing up? Ricky Steamboat. And Dusty Rhodes. (laughs) Good ones. What is your favorite TV show? Oh, God, Blue Bloods. What is the best feature on a woman? Uh, A great smile. What bad habit that people have do you find the most annoying? Chomping ice or chewing with their mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I love doing that. I don't know. Uh, What's your uh, favorite karaoke song? Oh, The Ride by David Allen Coe. Good one. Uh, who's your celebrity crush? Oh, you know what? I just thought about this today. Dana Perino, uh, the Fox News reporter. <laughs> I've seen her in the last, last couple of nights for like 48 hours because of the, you know, the elections. I thought, my God, man, she's an awesome looking lady. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, what is one item you must always have in stock in your fridge? Uh, let's say bottled water. I know that sounds very generic, but I always have, to, I, I have a bottle of water with me everywhere I go. Very good. And finally, What's your New Year's resolution? To lose a little bit of weight, finally. (laughs) Is that everybody's? (laughs) Well, I've been trying to get at that for the past few years, but who knows? Maybe this time will be different. Glacier, it's been a pleasure (laughs) having you in a shot of wrestling, and we'll see you at a few shows coming up very soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Hey, baby, I hear the bell ringing, hip tosses and body slams. Oh, my. And maybe you seem a bit confused, yeah, baby, but I got you pinned. Ha, 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 But I don't know what to do when I see them with that golden case. They're cashing it in. Authority all in my face. What is a man to do? Good night, everybody. <laughs>